Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Haven't Got Time for the Pain edition. As the Bengals suffer their first loss of the season in Chicago and look to bounce back quickly against the dreaded, hated, but always respected Pittsburgh Steelers. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays from Sunday's game, post-game comments from players and coaches, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapple. Then, in this week's Fun Facts segment, Chidabe Awuje tells us the all-time worst mispronunciation of his name. It is guaranteed to make you chuckle. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since Breakfast on the Road with Mike Brown and Dave Lapham. You might have heard me mention this before, but when the Bengals play a road game, one of the joys of my job is having an early breakfast on the morning of the game with Bengals president Mike Brown, his close friend Jack Schiff, and my broadcast partner Dave Lapham. It's basically an hour of gut-busting laughter as Mike and Lap share stories from their remarkable football lives. This week's topics included NFL games played years ago at Wrigley Field, Paul Brown ripping a young Lap in front of the rest of the team, former Bengals who comically struggled to deal with crowd noise, and Lap's days as a 14-year-old moving company lugger. Trust me, I wish I could record these breakfasts because it would make a great podcast. Now, let's get to Sunday's game. Chicago Bears fans have been clamoring for the team to yank Andy Dalton and make rookie Justin Fields their starting quarterback. In fact, the talk all week in Chicago was that Dalton would be loudly booed as soon as he made a mistake. The headline in the Chicago Sun-Times on Sunday read as follows, Dalton can't afford a dud. On the Bears' opening drive, Dalton was more stud than dud. And he has the ball. He's back to throw. His pass caught for a touchdown by Allen Robinson. Quite a start for Andy Dalton and the Bears as they march 75 yards to score. Well, I'll tell you, that was a dart right there. I mean, he put the ball right where he needed to, and the crowd right now in full support of Andy Dalton. How can you not be? Dalton got some help on the opening drive, a 32-yard pass interference penalty on Eli Apple when it was third and 12. Here's linebacker Logan Wilson on the Bengals' lousy start on defense. They just made some plays. You know, I think that's just the nature of this game. It's, you're always going to be faced with adversity, and, um, you know, they scored. And that's that's not the way we wanted to start, but, um, you know, we, we rebounded, and I think that that's the most important thing. The Bengals did not allow another offensive touchdown, partly because they knocked Dalton out of the game. Second and 11, Dalton back to throw, and he is sacked back at the 45-yard line. A tremendous pass rush by DJ Reader. DJ won quickly, and Andy Dalton gets up limping. Dalton hurt his knee, and while it didn't appear to be too severe, he was done for the day with five and a half minutes left in the half. Alas, the Red Rifle wasn't the only quarterback getting hit. Burrow clapping his hands on third and ten. He catches the shotgun snap Uh under pressure and sacked. Bears ran a little twist up front and Robert Quinn comes up with his 83rd and a half NFL sack. After getting sacked five times in week one, Burrow was sacked four times and hit nine times in Chicago. We have 
really good players up front. You know, you got Hicks and Mack and then Robert Quinn and you know, Nichols. These guys are, are big guys that are, are tough to block. They're playing really sound. They got some really good players up front. Uh, and, you know, they're making plays. Got to give credit to them. It was 7-0 Chicago at the half. The Bengals got the ball to begin the third quarter, received a gift when Robert Quinn shoved Burrow when he was clearly out of bounds for a 15-yard penalty, and quickly got on the scoreboard on Evan McPherson's second 53-yard field goal in as many weeks. The snap, the put down, the spot, the kick on its way, the distance not a problem, and the kick is good. That made it 7-3, and moments later, the Bengals' defense almost took the ball away from Fields. And he's straight back to throw. The Bengals send five. Fields loses the football. It's on the ground. The Bengals were unable to scoop it up. Logan Wilson went for the scoop and score, but didn't pick up the ball, and Fields falls on it at the 32. It's still a 17-yard loss, and the Bears will have to punt. Could have been a defensive score, but, you know, coaches will say, Fall on the football. Here's Wilson on his attempted fumble recovery. At the time when I saw the ball, there wasn't anyone around it, which is usually for us that signifies an opportunity to try to scoop and score. Um, Had there been people around it, that's when you kind of want to dive on it. Um, I wouldn't say it was necessarily like, obviously you want to score on defense as much as we can, but um, at the end of the day, if I was able to just get the ball back to our offense, that would have been the most important. And while the Bengals failed to recover the Bears fumble, Chicago did not have the same problem. Burrow back to throw. His pass over the middle caught at the 50 by T. Higgins. Fumbles the football. The Bears come away with it. And running it back is Houston Carson. He's to the Cincinnati 40, and he gets pulled down there. That turnover led to a Chicago field goal, and early in the fourth quarter, the Bears were up 10-3. The Bengals quickly drove to midfield on a 22-yard pass to Tyler Boyd, but ran into trouble when Burrow tried to find Boyd over the middle again. Hopkins fires the snap back. Burrow under pressure. He throws intercepted. The Bears have it in midfield, running it back to the 40, now down the sideline to the 30, the 20, the 10, and into the end zone. For the score, Roquan Smith intercepting Burroughs' pass at midfield and running it in for a defensive touchdown. Just a great read by Roquan Smith. That was Burroughs' first interception in five games going back to last year and the first pick six of his NFL career. He made a really good play. You can tell that he's he studied that play before and, and he's seen it and he, he pushed really, really fast. And he's made a really good play. Roquan Smith's 53-yard pick six made it 17-3 and ended Burrow's streak of 200 consecutive passes without an interception. It also started a very different streak. Burrow fakes to Mixon, throws it toward the left sideline, intercepted again as the Bears pick it off at the Cincinnati 37. Jalen Johnson jumping the route and coming up with another takeaway for the Bears defense. Burrow stomps the right foot, extends the hands, catches the snap, looks to throw. His pass batted, intercepted again! Holy mackerel! Right into the hands of Angelo Blackson as it was batted out of Burrow's hands. Interception number three in a row for Chicago and he is tackled at the nine-yard line. Burrow not only threw multiple interceptions for the first time in an NFL game, three passing attempts in a row were picked off. The last one led to a field goal that gave the Bears a 20-3 lead with 6.40 to go. No, that's just me trying to force the ball, trying to get something going. Um, you learn a lesson today that, you know, when your defense is playing 
as good as they are, you don't have to force those balls. You can kind of just let the game come to you. They're playing really sound. They got some really good players up front. Uh, and, you know, they're making plays. Yeah, got to give credit to them. At that point, the Bengals appeared to be toast. But Burrow was not about to go down without a fight. Bengals have five receivers spread out. Burrow's going to fling it high and deep for Chase. He's got to step on his defender again. Catches nice. it at the 10. Two defenders go down. And Chase runs it into the end zone for a 42-yard Bengals touchdown. How about that? Two games in the NFL, two long touchdown catches for Jamar Chase. That's my expectation. I plan on scoring every game. I plan on touch, every time I touch the ball, I make a big play. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's my objective. That's my goal. Burrow threw 30 passes in the game, and only three were deep balls. It allowed the Bears' defensive backs to sit on the shorter routes, and Joe and Jamar agree that throwing deep has to be a bigger part of the Bengals' game plan. you got to throw the ball over, over their head and... Um, you know, at least make them feel like you, you're going to be able to do that and, and call some plays that, that go over their head. We waited two last minutes to take shots, you know what I'm saying? Um, you knew they were sitting the whole game. I, know I was telling Joe, T, T knew. So, you know what I'm saying? We just got to capitalize on the, the stuff we see early in the game. The long touchdown pass to Chase made it 20-10 to 10 and gave the Bengals a glimmer of hope with 4.39 to go. One minute later... It was more than a glimmer. Fields back to throw. Here comes a blitz. His pass intercepted. Logan Wilson running to the 15, the 10. He gets tackled at the 9, and the Bengals have it. First and goal at the 9 after an interception by Logan Wilson. Burrow in the gun. Mixon to his right. Burrow has it. He drops back to throw. He passes. It is caught. Touchdown, Bengals. T. Higgins right at the goal line using that big frame to box out a defender, and the Bengals have pulled within four pending the PAT with 3.39 to go. How about that? After throwing picks on three straight passes, Burrow threw touchdown passes on his next two to make it a three-point game with 3.39 left. If the Bengals could get the ball back, they wouldn't need to drive very far to give McPherson a chance to force overtime. But Justin Fields saved the game for Chicago with his legs, escaping a tackle attempt by Trey Hendrickson and running for a 10-yard gain on third and nine. The Bears ran out the clock from there to win the game 20-17. to 17. Here are Zach Taylor and Logan Wilson. It's a 17-game season. Uh, we just lost a tough game on the road. We lost the turn, got killed in the turnover battle. And, and just the, the margin for error in this league is razor thin. You know, I don't think anyone can question the heart on this team. Um, shoot, we were down 20-3, to three and we came, came back and gave ourselves a chance. Uh, obviously, we didn't get a win, but there's no question we have heart on this team. We just got to clean some things up, offense, defense, and special teams, and, um, which I know we will, and we got a big challenge next week uh, at Pittsburgh. So um, we're going to watch the film tomorrow, learn from it, and move on. The Bengals held the Bears to a meager 206 yards and just one offensive touchdown. Perhaps Chicago fans should be careful what they wish for. Fields had a passer rating of 27.7. Dalton's was 118.2. But the difference in the game was obviously turnovers. The Bengals committed four and forced one. As a result, the record is one and one. Now time for post-game analysis with Lap. Lap, let's start with pass protection. Four more sacks today, nine quarterback hits. I know you haven't looked back at tape yet, but it, does it feel to you like guys are getting beaten one-on-one or that they are making mistakes in communication leading to guys having the ability to get to Joe Burrow? Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of uh, a couple of twists 
little TE stunts that uh, that they didn't pick up well enough. But overall, I mean, th th those were an issue. But overall, I thought the push was way too much on a regular basis. I mean, at some point, you have to stand and, and, and form the depth of the pocket. And, and Joe Burrow just didn't have any kind of a pocket that he felt comfortable, you know, uh, manipulating, stepping up in, moving up into. Um, and, you know, it's... It's, it's not a, it's not a good feeling for him. He's, he just doesn't look comfortable out there, and the vision becomes an issue. The interception, you don't see people. I mean, when when the push is in the quarterback's face and he doesn't have vision down the field, the, the vision's obstructed. You know, same thing happened to Fields. He didn't see Wilson, so it, pressure doesn't necessarily always have to be a, a sack. It, it might uh, speed up the. Uh, the read process of a quarterback causing incompletion. It may make him throw the ball where he thinks he's going to be fine and he's not because he can't see the field well enough, like on those interceptions. So until the late touchdown pass to Jamar Chase, there's a lot of dinking and dunking going on by the Bengals. It was kind of similar to what we saw in watching the Bears game last week against the Rams, particularly when they go to these empty backfields with five receiving targets. You pretty much know that it's going to be a short throw to the first person that, that Joe thinks is open. And Jamar Chase was kind of critical of it after the game, saying that the Bengals should have tried for some more deep shots earlier in the game. Is that just a matter of the coaching staff fearing that if they have Joe try to throw deep, they're exposing him to more hits? Yeah, I think that's probably part of it, you know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, they, they saw that, um, you know, on the reverse part of it, Andy Dalton was fairly effective with that type of a, an offensive mindset against the Rams who have a good pass rush, and he took care of the football pretty well and, and, and dinked and dunked. No, no big plays down the football field, but they moved the ball. They possessed the football. They had 19 more snaps, had the ball for a good amount of time longer and all those things that can help you win a football game. But I guess going into it, the coaches probably had their fear of, uh, of pressure that was going to be an issue to deal with, and, and that was the game plan that they felt they needed to come up with. And, uh, you know, I appreciate Chase's criticism, but block somebody on fourth down. You got to drive staying alive there too. So you better watch out when you point fingers. There's three pointing right back at you. So make sure that you take care of all your business before you start calling other people out. To his credit, he did acknowledge that he did not do a very good job in right. the blocking game. So at least he owned up to it. Let's talk about the defense. They gave up a 75-yard touchdown drive to begin the game. After that, they were fantastic to keep the Bengals alive. That was the only touchdown they gave up. And despite being put in bad positions numerous times because of three interceptions and a fumble, they kept the Bengals in the game. They really did. I mean, when you give up less than 210 yards offense in today's National Football League, and you have three opportunities in the red zone, you give up a touchdown on one of them, they only score a touchdown 33% of the time. You know, another time, on one of the interceptions was taken back for a pick six. Other interception went to the nine-yard line, and they held that to a field goal. So inside the 10-yard line, the deep red zone, they were outstanding on that drive. They, they, they played well enough to win. I mean, I, I, literally, you, you only hang... 10 points on them basically you know of the 20 points that were scored one's a pick six and one's a return inside the 10 yard line well heck if you don't take the football away on a turnover you're going to give up a field goal in today's league 
So they, they played well. Those kind of those kind of numbers, and they lose a football game. That just tells you that there was no complimentary football played today. The defense played well enough to win. Special teams didn't, and offense sure didn't. Yeah, special teams. I'm glad you brought that up because McPherson crushed another 53-yard field goal. That was great. But Brandon Wilson had a couple of mistakes in the kick return game and early in the game when the Bengals repeatedly had terrible field position, he was responsible for a couple of them. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you put, you put yourself on a long field in a noisy stadium, a home opener, against a defensive football team that has some talent. I mean, they've got some players. You're asking for trouble, and, and that's exactly what they got. Um, you know, it's, it's just it's an unfortunate situation that the defense playing as well as they played didn't come away with a W because, uh, you know, playing like that on the road, I think, is, uh, <laughs> is bodes well. Again, though, I think that Andy Dalton going out of the football game when he did was, was a big factor because he was hot and he was playing well. And that first drive they had, I mean, he just he ripped him down the football field. And Fields has got a package that they're getting him ready for on a weekly basis. But I don't think he feels totally comfortable with the entire offense yet. And I think they were hamstrung with some of their play calling. And it, and it showed up a little bit. But you got to credit the defense. They took advantage of it. And they, and they, they slammed the door. I mean, they suffocated him. In, in the running game, too, they did a great job on Montgomery. The quarterbacks hurt him. Andy Dalton had a couple of scrambles for double-digit yards on, on scrambles. And Fields had, you know, had a big one on third and nine that uh, that got him a big first down when, when they just could not, Hendrickson could just not quite get there. So the quarterbacks were the ones that did the most damage, I think, on just improvisational, you know, creating and extending the, a play as such. Hendrickson wasn't able to make that play, but by and large, he was terrific again today. Yep. That's looking like money well spent. I agree. I think he he's uh, he's prideful. He plays hard. There's, there's no doubt. I think he's a, you know, he ex extends, expends every ounce of energy he's got on a snap-by-snap -snap basis, and it means, it means a lot to him. It, you know, he's um, he only started one year down there in New Orleans and had a big year the year he started, and, and he relishes the fact that he's a starting defensive end in the National Football League. He appreciates it, and it means a lot to him. You can tell by the way he plays. Jamar Chase hauls in a 42-yard touchdown pass. So in his first two NFL games, a 50-yard TD and a 42-yard TD, they didn't go to him very much in the game in Chicago. But based on the first two weeks, he's given them the deep threat that was sorely missing. Yeah, he, he really has, and he did it two different ways. Um, his first one was just a flat-out little stutter step and, and just beat him deep with uh, pure speed. This one, he, he tracked the football and adjusted to the football. Safety never found the football. Cornerback was playing outside technique. Knew he had inside help from the safety. Safety never found the ball. Took a horrible angle. Uh, Jamar Chase tracked the ball perfectly. Came underneath uh, and, and adjusted around the safety. Made it play on the football and took it to the house. So, um, yeah, he's a he's a threat down the football field. There's no two ways about that. Let's go back to the O-line for a second. Xavier Suafilo got a little banged up early in the game. He was limping pretty noticeably after one of the plays but he stayed in there he gutted it out to his credit but seemed like a tough day for him again without going back and looking at the the tape of the game yet do you think that Jackson Carmen at some point relatively soon might move into that right guard spot you know you have to uh 
you have to weigh, all right, the veteran experience, the savvy, the knowledge, um, not busting plays. How, how much imp more important is that than having a, a better physical potential specimen in there at the guard position, particularly if Sula Fila is limping around because it's, it's a tough situation. He knows what to do and how, how to do it, just can't get there sometimes, you know, and uh, so that, that's a little bit of an issue. But, um, you know, is Pittsburgh in playing the Steelers in Pittsburgh with that defense and the things that they can do from a multiplicity standpoint and a versatility standpoint, is that, uh, is that a good situation to, to put Jackson Carmen in, in there and, and say, boy, I hope we don't have too many free runners, you know? I mean, that's, that's kind of the risk that you take there. But it's going to be interesting to monitor because Suofilo, he was playing against a horse now. Hicks is a beast, a flat-out beast. And it was a long day at the office for X. So it was a road game where they were a slight underdog. They wound up losing by three points. I guess it's not a shocker, but with Andy Dalton going down with about five and a half minutes to go in the half, that game was there for the taking, and they did not come away with a win. Absolutely, and, you know, we've seen <laughs> two weeks in a row, I've seen things I've never seen before, and come to find out, you know, the field goal at the end of regulation by one kicker and then the other kicker winning the game in overtime at the gun had never happened before. And I'll—I'd be shocked if you have a quarterback that throws three straight passes that are picked off, and then comes back and throws two straight passes that are touchdowns. I don't—I've never seen that before at any level, and I've never seen kickers do what they did the week before at any level. So, one thing that's going on with these Cincinnati Bengals, man, there's firsts happening every single week. It seems like, and uh, man, that one—that was really crazy. Joe Burrow, three straight passes, picks, and. One to the house, one to the nine-yard line. Those are those are brutal picks. And then uh, to come back and throw back-to-back -back touchdown passes on his next two throws, it says something about him, says something about the team, says something about a lot of things. But um, this game, it, like you said, Dan, this, this was a winnable football game. They should have won the football game, and they didn't win the football game. How bad will it hurt? Up next, a road game at Heinz Field where the Steelers lost their home opener 26-17 to the Raiders. T.J. Watt suffered a groin injury in that game, so the Bengals might not have to face the NFL's reigning sack leader next week. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. It's light and refreshing with a hint of fruit flavor. Now, time for this week's Fun Facts segment where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with Bengals cornerback Chidabe Awuje. I read that when you were a kid, you were so rough and tough that you weren't allowed to play certain things with other kids. Was that true? And what happened? Uh, yeah, it's true. I think it wasn't really a, a rule set by a school or by a teacher or a parent. It was kind of, you know, the kids that I was playing with didn't want me to play with them <laughs> because I was <laughs> every time I played, someone was getting hurt or an injury was happening. So... Uh, yeah, you know, I think that definitely led me into football. Seems like the perfect outlet <laughs> to take out that aggression. Your parents are Nigerian immigrants who earned college degrees in the U.S. How did their values and their work ethic impact you? Oh, it impacted me so heavily. Um, I definitely grew up um, with the duality of being Nigerian-American to the T. When I was home, raised in a Nigerian home, my aunties, uncles, cousins, uh, we'd go to parties on the weekend, whether it be um, a meeting or um, a celebration. 
the Nigerian culture definitely was in me. And then when I would go into school, and um, I'd get a very good taste of the American culture. So um, definitely um, that duality has raised me to understand others, to be heavy on family, um, to have faith in God, and you know, just to always work hard. Have you made it to Nigeria to see where your family's from? I have, I have. Um, the first time I went was my sophomore year in high school. I was 16 or 15 or something like that. And, you know, it was beautiful just to see cousins who I never met before, family members, um, see where my parents grew up and see where my grandparents and my lineage basically started. You know, we have a village house in the village of Hobohia, and that's where everybody congregated. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful time in my life. We're visiting with Chidabe Awuje. Many stories about you say that your first name means God will guide me. Do you take that to heart? Oh, I definitely do. Um, in my culture, the Igbo culture, um, this uh, our names mean everything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my brother has a similar name. My mom, dad, sister, all of it usually um, resonates with something to do with God. You know, we're very spiritual people. So, um, yeah, I think my name prays for me every day. <laughs> and um, I'm able to live comfortably because of it. You grew up near San Jose, California. What were some of the things you were interested in as a kid? As a kid, I was very impressionable. Uh, I loved watching things on YouTube and just learning about different things, uh, especially dance. You know, uh, where I grew up, they had a dance called turfing, and they had this thing called the hyphy movement, and the L.A. had crump, and the South had crunk. And I was interested in just, like, all the cultures, just everything. You know, that was happening. So um, I think when I was a kid, I was just very impressionable when it came to hip-hop culture, dance culture. Um, yeah. So So if you have a pick six, is there a dance in mind for yeah. the celebration? I've been thinking, man. I've been trying to plan it out already. I got a lot. I got I to gotta do something to honor the African people. So I got to dance there. I got to do something to honor my Bay Area people to dance there. So, yeah, I'm going to plan it out. I'm going to plan something out for sure. We're chatting with Chidabe Awuje. You attended Oak Grove High School, where you ran for more than 1,000 yards your senior year, but you also blocked 10 kicks. How do you block 10 kicks? <laughs> I mean, honestly, just being an athlete and then having a good get-off, and I don't know. I think it was just something I found out I was good at. I think my sophomore year in high school, I would just rush off the ball real fast and then block, block punts, kicks, field goals. And, yeah, I wonder why they had me do that more in college or NFL, but it's all good. I, I think I settled in that corner pretty good. So <laughs> I'm playing this for Darren Simmons to make sure that he's aware of that. <laughs> you chose to attend the University of Colorado. What did you enjoy most about college? The thing I enjoyed most about college was the camaraderie. Um, I got to see and be a part of something real special. Came into a program that I was rebuilding. And by the time my senior year happened, you know, we started to win, ended up being seventh in the, ranked seventh in the country at one point. And those guys, you know, that's something that I think we'll always hold on to, just how we had all those experiences that led to that point. And that's led us to be great friends even now to this day, um, that senior class. I'm blessed to play with uh, Josh Tupo, who was on that team. Uh, we still have that connection. You know, all those guys have that connection. So uh, that camaraderie was, was very something that, that, that taught me a lot how to be a team. And, you know, when I got to the NFL. In your sophomore year, you lacerated your kidney. That's serious stuff. How bad was it? It was bad, man. Uh, it was bad because I didn't understand 
what it was <laughs> or the severity of it, I guess. When I fell and it happened, you know, I was went to the uh, bathroom in the locker room and, you know, I started to see blood in my, uh, you know, in my, uh, in my pee and uh, went back up. And I was like, yo, this is happening. Took me to the hospital and thank God that they took it serious enough to where I was able to, uh, we were able to diagnose it properly. And, you know, that helped me out for the last three games of my sophomore year. And it was just a real interesting time. First time that I really had an injury that kept me out of football. And I could walk. I mean, I could think. I could do everything. I just couldn't. I had to be careful, you know. And that's when I realized that, you know, football is such a precious sport to me. Um, I don't want to not play. So um, from that time, I started to be real conscious of, you know, every step I take. We're doing fun facts with Chidabe Awuje. You were a second-round draft pick by the Dallas Cowboys in 2017, and it was a memorable moment in NFL draft history because it was in Philadelphia. Cowboys legend Drew Pearson announced the pick, and he took the occasion to troll Eagles fans. Were you amused, or did it kind of detract from your moment? <laughs> no, nah, man, I'm all for the uh, splendor and the and the joy and the hate that he got for that too <laughs> um I know Drew from that moment I got to know Drew Pearson you know he's a great guy great energy all, obviously a hall of fame player now um we thank God that he was able to make it in this year I know it meant a lot to him and it means a lot to me and my family you know because we're forever tied with that moment um I think that also you know put people on notice that hey Drew's not in the hall of fame yet like let's you know what I'm saying like let's get him in the hall of fame and I think um, that, 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 just a lot of good came from that moment, and I'm glad that I was part of it. The Dallas Cowboys are known as America's team. Their fan base is really worldwide, not uh, U.S.-wide. What was it like to be a Cowboy for four years? Oh, it was a blessing. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, they picked me, obviously, from uh, college, and that moment will always hold, hold dear to me. And those moments that I shared with that team will always hold dear to me. Um, so I'm always thankful uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of my friends are still on that team. So I'm a fan of those guys and, you know, rooting for them for the best. So you became a free agent, and it sounds like the Bengals really came after you with a lot of passion. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one thing that stuck out to me was uh, how much they wanted me here and everything that Coach Zach, Coach Lou, Coach Jackson, all the guys who I talked to, even the front office people uh, was about the culture here, that they're starting to get the culture right, the locker room's good, all this kind of stuff. And when I was able to visit here and be here now, it all held, holds true. You know, I really believe that um, I'm, I'm in the perfect place right now to, you know, be my best and hopefully to help this team be their best. So um, I'm real excited for things to come. I'm real comfortable here already. You know, the guys are real cool. The coaches are cool. So um, just excited to get this thing rolling. All right, a few non-football topics to wrap things up with Chidabe Awuje. You are an avid chess player. How did that start, and what do you enjoy about chess? So chess started in college when me and my teammates slash uh, peers in my class uh, used to be kind of bored in class. <laughs> we had our laptops out, and, you know, during a subject that maybe we knew about already, <laughs> we would uh, play some chess, you know, virtually on our laptops and it was real competitive and you didn't want to lose because if you lose in chess kind of makes you feel like someone's smarter than you and that, <laughs> that doesn't really feel good when, when you know that someone's smarter than you so I uh, would compete there and then uh, it kind of died down and then when I got to the Cowboys um, there was a couple of chess players and again real competitive don't want to lose 
And I think I fostered a lot of relationships through chess. Um, I've learned a lot about life, um, how to put things in order. You don't want to lose your queen. You don't want to lose. Obviously, you don't want to lose the game by losing your king. You know, your rook's more, worth more than the pawn and the and the bishop and the knight. But each piece moves, you know, in great symmetry to um, have a full team, basically. So um, I think it's helped me articulate and put things in order very well. Are you the grandmaster of the Bengals locker room? <laughs> I wouldn't disrespect the name grandmaster by putting my name next to it. <laughs> but I will say that I don't think anyone can beat me on this team. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All right. If you could meet anyone in history, athlete, actor, statesman, politician, whatever it might be, who would that be? That's a very deep question. Um, the, to, to be honest, the first name that popped in my mind was Muhammad Ali. Uh, but as you finish the question, I think my real answer would probably be Jesus. <laughs> and I think uh, that would mean that I made it to heaven, which would be a good <laughs> thing. <laughs> so uh, I think, uh, yeah, those would be, that was my first reaction. And my, when I got my thoughts together, I was like, yeah, probably Jesus. <laughs> Two great answers. Yeah. Last thing. What's the all-time worst mispronunciation of Chittabay Awuje? <laughs> Dang, there's been a lot, man. I'll say this. One time someone couldn't say my name in elementary school, that instead of calling me Chittabay, they called me Cheddar Bay Biscuits. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my nickname for that guy, calling me Ch Ch Cheddar Bay Biscuits from Red Lobster. So, hey. <laughs> That, you should get an endorsement deal out of that. <laughs> hey, man, I, I enjoyed them. They are I good. Too. Yeah, yeah, they are <laughs> really good. <laughs> They're really good. So is this. I appreciate your time. Have a great season. All right. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth podcast.